We are fired up and ready for football. <laughs> we finally have Friday night football back in our lives. And even before that, we get college football on a Thursday night with Southern Miss and South Alabama. So, uh, Jeff, man, this is what uh, it's kind of what we sign up to do on a week like this. And I've loaded your wagon, man, as we've got, I believe, let's count them, seven interviews tonight on the podcast. Yeah, we got seven. Uh, it'll take me a little bit to edit them, but I'll get it done. Well, that's why you get paid the big bucks. <laughs> that's <laughs> hey, right. To start the to start the interview lineup, and this is this isn't going to be a true roundtable. This is just kind of a lay of the land of what you're listening uh, to. To start the interviews, batting a lead off, if you will, is Charlie Hayes. Charlie Hayes, of course, the former big leaguer. He spent over ten years in Major League Baseball. He's a World Series champ. He's from the Hattiesburg area, and his son last night, Key Brian Hayes, made his debut with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and so I thought it would be a neat uh, time to check up with Charlie and see exactly what that experience was, watching his son make his Pirates debut, and Key Brian did not disappoint, had a home run to tie the ball game in the eighth, had a double, and you'll hear... um, Charlie's reaction to being able to see his son accomplish a dream and just a really cool moment to be able to interview Charlie and that's a good way to get this one started and then what do we have next Jeff in that two slot yeah in the two slot we're going to talk to Wyatt Davis former quarterback at Pearl River Central Blue Devils went on to play at East Mississippi uh, up there for the Lions He's doing a great thing. He's traveling the state, and and I say the state in a, in a loose term because uh, we'll talk to him. He has gone outside of the state, come to Louisiana a little bit, uh, but he's got a quarterback. Uh, he's I, I got him as a quarterback coach, but he does some uh, he does some workouts with quarterbacks. He brings talent. You'll hear him in the interview mention that he goes out to these communities and these different schools and gets these quarterbacks that want to do work. Uh, he mentions them in his Twitter. Uh, feed hey I'll be at this location this weekend if you want some work uh, come with uh, cleats and, and shorts in hand and, and get ready to sweat and do work so great uh, great thing Wyatt's doing he's going out there and he's uh, getting quarterback works he's going through all the process the drills the uh, the the steps that they need to do as far as uh, furthering their high school quarterback but also uh, getting you prepared get getting them prepared to maybe get some looks uh, from some schools, D1 or, or you know, junior college level, uh, you know, uh, coaches and, and scouts going to look, and maybe they, they wouldn't get before. So Wyatt's going out there and just giving these quarterbacks all the work they want. All you have to do is hit him up on his Twitter feed and, uh, you know, see where he's going to be and go out and do the work. And then for the third and the fourth spots for interviews, we go sports writers. We've got – Brad Locke, he's a sports editor in the north end of the state. He'll give us the lay of the land. He works for the Daily Journal based out of Tupelo. So he gets us um, all we need to know about the north end of the state of Mississippi for high school football. And then we come back down to the Pine Belt with Andrew Abity uh, with Pine Belt Sports. He gives us the uh, landscape of that section of the state as we prepare for high school football. And then who do we have in that five-spot, Jeff, as far as interviews go? Yeah, you, you conducted an interview with uh, Josh Berrien, uh, WLOET sports anchor uh, on the coast, and talked to him about uh, getting, you know, getting things going on, on, 
you know, football wise and stuff on the on the coast uh, in that five slot, and then then we get to the big boys, Clay, uh, and I say big boys just because of the the precedent it sets on a Thursday night uh, college football in that sit slot. J.D. Byers, the play-by-play uh, and voice of the South Alabama Jaguars, as they get ready to make a little road trip uh, in these pandemic times. Uh, to come over to Southern Miss to play the uh, the Golden Eagles there in Hattiesburg. Going to be fans in the stands. Uh, you know, we didn't know if that would happen this year with sports or didn't even know if we was going to have sports. But you'll hear J.D. talk about the up-and-coming things, the exciting things uh, happening for the Jaguars uh, of South Alabama. And then batting clean up around and out in that seven spots, the athletic director for Southern Miss, Jeremy McLean. Uh, Jeremy was just couldn't find anything else to do the night before the ball game. You just described <laughs> that we'll be on his campus, but spend a few minutes with us on the podcast. And we appreciate all our guest time. Uh, we always do. We appreciate your time as a listener. Look, we know that's a busy world and there's a billion things you could be doing. And so to steal any time that we steal from you to listen to our podcast is humbling and we appreciate it. Uh, Jeff, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'm going to get off of here and go eat ice cream while you <laughs> lock down and edit these seven uh, interviews and fill in the commercials. And I know we joke a lot, but it's certainly appreciated uh, by me, the business end of things that you take care of for the podcast. So uh, thank you and thank you to our listeners. The Greater Pecuniary Chamber of Commerce provides the tools you need to succeed as a business owner and community influencer. As a member of the Chamber, your commitment has personal payback. The Chamber offers numerous opportunities to get involved throughout the year, whether it is through networking events, committee involvement, community programs, or special events. By taking advantage of the Chamber's resources, your business can develop and thrive. Visit us at greaterpicunechamber.org or drop by our office, which is located at 201 Highway 11 North. We're blessed this evening to be joined by Charlie Hayes on the podcast. And Charlie, I was just asking you if you got any sleep after that ball game last night, being able to watch your son do what he did. Well, I was, it was a very emotional day. And, uh, I, you know, he did somewhat good. I'm proud of him. And, uh, you know, just didn't really sleep. Because I think I was more excited than he was. Uh, that's what parents do. So uh, I got to bed probably 3.30. Well, a rain delay doesn't uh, help when the ball game gets extended like that. And then the fireworks that that Key Brian Hayes provided, a, a home run in his debut, also had a double, showed great instincts on the base paths. Uh, just kind of walk us through the emotions as you had that uh, delay that you had to sit through through as well before the home run to tie the ball game in the eighth. Well, actually, while that it was uh, the first probably fifteen twenty minutes of the during delay, the family was all sitting there in the family room, and we were just all laughing. Everybody's excited because the the, the uh, you know someone that. We helped along the way, doing, achieving something he dreamed. And uh, so then after that, I was just answering back to 
on Twitter and Facebook to all the people that were texting me and tweeting me and stuff like that. And then, and then, uh, you know, I was on, uh, Twitter and I saw where the Pirates, a Twitter account tweeted the game was going to start at 11.10. So I kind of just, you know, I knew he was going to be leading off because when they stopped, but somehow someone called, I took the call and then all of a sudden across the top of my phone goes, Key Brian Hayes hit the home run because I actually was talking and had forgot about the 11.10. So I ran in the other room and looked and see what happened. And it was actually with my Twitter was faster than what was going on going on on the TV about a you know a minute fifty five seconds or whatever. And uh, when I ran in there, the ball was going to the plate, and then I saw him hit it. It was wild. It was a wild night. Was, I'm so proud of everybody because you know, like I tell people, everybody want to give me credit, but it ain't just me. It was his brothers, his mama. You know, it was a team effort, and uh, you know, when you when all that's going on, you don't think about it in those terms. But for me, a lot of a lot of stuff has slowed down. Uh, you know, the most important thing for me right now is my family, and uh, that's that's at the end of the day, that's all I care about. To be honest, because uh, family is everything. Yeah, if we've learned anything over this wild ride that. Um Everybody, I guess the world and the country's been on over the last few months. We can certainly take that from it, huh, Charlie? The the gift that our families are to us. Yeah, most definitely, man. It's just been it's crazy time. Uh, I think we're gonna come out of it. We're gonna be okay. Uh, we, you know, we just gotta join together, man. Uh, I think the, the, the best way to do that is to communicate. You know, I, I, I tell people all the time. Uh, just because I don't agree with what you say doesn't mean that I want to break your neck or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. In terms like that, but, uh, you know, I, I got to listen to what you want to say, no matter if I agree or don't disagree. And I got to respect that. That's what it's all about. Charlie, the times that I've seen you quoted about uh, last night and about uh, Key's development, you've credited his brothers, you've given them more credit than you've taken yourself. Talk to us about uh, that relationship and and uh, the older brothers uh, helping Key d develop and uh, was a first round pick a twenty three year old makes a debut that sounds pretty familiar uh, kind of to your story the twenty three year old uh, making his debut doesn't it Yeah, I was thinking right, I was right around the same time or first time frame spinning in my league. Uh, you you. You, 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 you just be joyful, you know, but I mean, like, his brothers are the ones that probably got him liking baseball because, uh, by the time, uh, you know, he when he was four, I, that was my last year. So his brother playing Tyree, playing catch with him in the yard. And I know the stuff, the principles that I had instilled into Tyree, and I'm sure he just passed those along into, uh, into his brother and uh you know he held him accountable and i think that's the biggest thing uh you know with family is that we got to all hold each other accountable you know and that, that's just what it is so but his brother you know i remember tyree was in the minor league that they grew up a little bit 
high school and all that. And Tyree was a pretty good high school pitcher because he got drafted as a pitcher. And Key Brown was taking BP off of him. So <laughs> that right there in itself was a, uh, you know, a plus for him. And, uh, you know, they, you know how brothers are. They fight. They did say that. But at the end of the day, they all love each other. And, uh, and they all want to see, uh, each other, uh, succeed. So it's been a win-win for me having boys that like baseball. It made my job a whole lot easier because uh, you learn as a parent that there's no one way to do anything. So Tyree was like my outlet to tell Key Brian the stuff that he needed to work on and do. And Tyree knew too because I had told him over and over. He's a great observer. And uh, But uh, Key Brian would take it better from him than he would from me. So, uh, you know, like I tell people all the time, somebody's got to be smart. You know, it's like my kid acts out and I'm going to whoop him and everybody thinks that I'm a bad guy in the front of everybody. But i got to be smart that, uh, not to say something that's going to make him act out. So, uh, you know, it's twofold. Charlie, your long major league career and, of course, a World Series champ with the New York Yankees. I saw an interview with y'all last night and it was from the past, but... They were asking Key, you know, what does Charlie tell you? And his his comment was not a whole lot. You know, he he doesn't uh, he doesn't tell me a whole lot. And so the things that you have been able to pass on to him, or the tips that you've been able to give him, what what stand out the most from your career that you were able to pass on to him? Uh, be true to yourself. Have a work ethic. Uh, have a routine, trust the process, and don't get caught up in the results. Get caught up in, like I said, the process. See, everybody thinks last night when he was playing that they, I, I saw where somebody said he's not afraid of the light. Uh, but I don't think that is, is how he looked at it. I think he looked at it as a reward for or the grind, the grind is what he looked at, what got him to that point. You know, that, that was when, that's when you, uh, you know, that's when you develop when ain't nobody looking at you and everybody. So then once you, with that and having a, a work ethic, then you're going to get to a point where you just play. And because you know you done put in the work, your mind going to tell you just have fun. And then you're going to do what you're supposed to do. But when you put pressure on yourself, uh, and you make it more than what it is, then, you know, you it, it's hard to stand on an even keel. And for me, my 14 years, I watched a lot. I mean, my first year in uh, full-time playing in the big league, uh, at the half season, I was wore out because I worried about everything. And, you know, you learn when you put in the work and you get your body in condition, your mind going to be in condition. So, you know... Yeah, that's an advantage, you know, about the grind. Like, you know, I say, I say, uh, train more, play less. And that's, and that, and, that, and if you can do that, then every, every kid's skill set is going to progress. And that's what he does. I mean, he, you know, I know he was a little anxious, a little nervous, but he, but he know he belonged there. So, uh, that's what I'm saying because, uh, he put in the work. 
and then that's going to make him think right and think like that. So, Charlie, when you look over good the kids, man, my I said it was good kids, man. My wife is unbelievable. You know, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's her a lot of that stuff because she believed in right and it, it got me to believing in that too. We, you know, we've been together since 1981. That's a long time. Wow. You know, we have our ups and downs just like everybody else do. And that's just part of it. And that's part of maturing. That's part of growing. And, uh, you know, I just take it for what it's worth and try to keep moving forward and be a positive role model for everybody that I come across. Charlie, what's some of the memories that you have from growing up playing uh, baseball in Hattiesburg? And uh, what's some of the things that you still think about uh, when you think about your playing days as a youngster there in Hattiesburg? Just, just how fortunate I was. Uh, you know, great supporting cast. Uh, like I said, grew up poor. And uh, it was just people that were in my life that kind of took to me and they made sure that I had the necessary means for everything that I needed to do when it came to baseball. So, and then, you know, my mom maybe couldn't afford some of the stuff that I needed, but the support that she gave us was, you know, like no other. And uh, I understood, like a lot of people don't understand, my mom never saw me play professionally until I was in the major league in 1992. I made it to the major league in 88. But she worked hard every day. You know, and that's one of the reasons why. Like, I love her to death. I miss her every day. But uh, I, I tell people all the time, they say, man, I'm going to raise my kid like the way I was raised. Well, the way I look at it, you're doing them a disservice because the world that I grew up in, the world today ain't the same. So just keep it in, keep it in, in between the lines, man, and just... You know, try to do right as much as I can. Love everyone. And, uh, you know, can't wait to see somebody else be successful. Because I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to clap. It's just what it is. Charlie, when you look at uh, the state of Mississippi has produced some all-timers, when you look uh, football in, in particular, but when you look on a baseball side, can can we claim uh, – Keep Brian on this side. I know Anthony Alford got moved over to the Pirates right, really right before he was called up. And so you have a guy from Pedal. Um, can we claim Mr. Brian his future success uh, here in our state of Mississippi? That's right. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Keep Brian was born in Tumball. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just trying to steal him over this way. No, I get it. You know, I I wish we could put him over there, but that's ultimately going to come down to him because like, his mom and dad was going there and had his birth. So, Tyree, your one was crap. Charlie, man, we certainly appreciate your time and sharing this experience uh, with us on the podcast. Can continue success for your youngins, man, and uh, just great catching up with you today. Thank you for taking time for us. Hey, man, thanks for having me on, and, uh, you know, I'm easy to reach, so 
Uh, hit me up. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. Just out here doing what I love to do, try to help kids learn baseball and be the best out of them they can be. That's what it is. Well, we can certainly use a lot more of that in this world, so we appreciate you. All right, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of healthcare options. From our internal medicine clinic to advanced surgery and emergency services, from the Highland Center for Women's Health to our primary care and pediatric clinic, our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. We're excited tonight to visit with Wyatt Davis. Wyatt's a guy that Jeff and I actually covered in his high school days at Pearl River Central. And funny enough, my wife actually taught him when he was in the third grade. So she can remember Wyatt piling into her classroom with a Brett Favre jersey on. And then he wore the number four there for the Pearl River Central Blue Devils before going on to play some community college football. And so Wyatt, thanks for taking time for Jeff and I tonight. Man, hey, ain't no problem. I appreciate y'all having me. All right, well, I kind of give our listeners uh, the scoop on what you're doing locally and throughout our state with the quarterback position. So, well, for one thing, um, you know, the biggest thing is getting out and traveling to the areas that nobody else really wants to hit. Um, you know, we're going pretty much town to town, splitting it up by areas of the state. And you know, one one day we'll hit the south part of Mississippi, next be north, Delta. East side, um, going to the town, little small towns, working and trying to find hidden gems in the state that most guys wouldn't go to and trying to give them the best work possible that they want. Um, you know, the work is in-depth. It's going to be stuff that they can apply to their game that will help them get better. Wow. What kind of fueled you to, to want to do this, man? What in your story or what in your background what was the moment that you said, man, I've got something to offer these kids that maybe wasn't offered to me or that you knew there was a need for? Well, I've always been passionate about the position. Um, all this stuff, you know, I, it was kind of personal for me to take under and do myself because I wanted to be somebody that I didn't have coming up or growing up with that could use their platform to do something like this, whether it's with the work, help to get their names out, pretty much doing anything I can from, you know, to make sure that they're going to be all right and have the tools to sit there and perform at a good level that help them get a look. But it, it's uh, it's been enjoyable, I can tell you that. Wyatt, if I'm a 2-3-A uh, or 6-A quarterback, for that matter, and I'm listening to this uh, some more and I'm thinking, man, I need to get in touch with this guy, what's the best way for a quarterback or a parent of a quarterback to run you down, man, and uh, to get in some of this work that you're doing? Well, the biggest way to get in contact with me is on Twitter. Um, that's really how all my players get in contact with me. Um, they can follow me on Twitter at WyattDalton4 and just message me, man. Hey, we'll set something up. If it's if it's a, out of town, um, it'll probably be the weekends before I can get there. But, you know, with my inbox is always open for work, man. They, they need to get in contact with me. That's probably the easiest way, too. Hey, and look, I don't know what you're driving these days, but you're driving it, son, because you are out and about. I'm watching this Twitter account. I was like, look at why. He, 
Jeff, you following him too? Is he not all over the place? Oh, he's everywhere. <laughs> Sometimes you'll see him on a weekend. He'll be at the Jackson area, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Wyatt, following your Twitter, I think you snuck across the state line a little bit and had some on the North Shore. Yeah, we've been on. Uh, I got two kids. I've been working out that way. One goes to Dem Springs, and the other one goes to Woodland High School out of Baton Rouge. And they're two uh, two guys coming up. One's a twenty-four. They're both twenty-four kids. So they'll be sophomores this year, and they're special, man. But one of them's got Power Five offers, and the next one out of Woodland, he's not far behind. He'll get some himself, and they're just hardworking kids, man. That's that's been the most enjoyable thing about it all. Everybody that I have a chance to work with, um, they have been hardworking, um, guys who buy into the process. They don't get complacent, I can tell you that, and that's been the biggest blessing. Why well, we had the chance, as we said, in the open to cover you when you were at Pro River Central, and uh, just a gritty, tough guy with a great arm, too. Usually you hear gritty and and tough, and sometimes a player can take that and say, well, I was more than that, and I'll say that about you. You had a really – a really good arm. What what do you bring to the table when you're working with these guys? I'm seeing drills, and, I mean, everybody's in on, like, Elite 11, all this different quarterback stuff. You can get schooled from a 100 different ways. But you said something that I, I think would strike a chord with quarterbacks and coaches that's applicable to the game. Like, when I see you putting these guys through drills, I was like, yeah, I can see the value in that in the game. Kind of speak to that point. If you would, every, every drill you do, you want to explain it to the kids. You want you want to make sure they get stuff that's going to be a positive to the game. You now, a lot of the things we do, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, like we have a little drill called um, the quick game drill where we're getting the ball out fast. That applies to a quick game. We're going rapid ball throws with it. We're hey, it's ball after ball, and they get it out fast. But every every drill we do has a purpose to it, and it's going to apply to their game. Um, it's, like I said, I mean, it's it's good stuff. All right, well, now we're going to use you, man. We've got your uh, message out there. Now, I want some scouting report. You know, we covered Popperville on Friday nights. Our podcast listeners are sick of hearing Jeff and I say that. We say it all the time. But it kind of opens your eyes when, when Popperville and then Picayune, these programs locally have had the success they have. You start not looking just in the region or district. But you take those blinders off and say, hey, if we make it to South State, who may be the competition there? And uh, you caught my attention with a Newton County kid, a Moss Point kid. And so that 4A quarterback position, uh, a couple guys out there uh, that look pretty special from around the state. Well, you got out uh, Newton County, you got Damon Mapp. Um, he's just one of the guys that's going under the radar right now. He got hurt last year, actually mid-season. He played five uh, games, actually a fractured wrist. He had cast mm. on and everything. Tough kid, man. He's hardworking too, man. Comes from a great family. His season got cut short last year, so that kind of put a little damper on his recruitment, but he's back 100% now, man. The kid, he's got a fast release, gets the ball out hot. He's smart too with his reads. Um then you got Deuce Lee over mm-hmm. at Moss Point High School. He's a true true to that guy. Um, throws a great ball. We can hurt you on the on the ground too with it. He's a big kid too, man. Solid built. You know, hard another hard working kid. Then in the north you had um DeAndre Smith out of Greenwood High School. His season ended up getting canceled. 
and he transferred out to Greenville Christian, Greenwood Christian High School. And they, um, he's going to be one of the guys coming up. He's a junior right now. He's going to be probably one of the top guys in the state next year, his senior year. He's got a few D Division One offers, FCS offers, and um, he'll be another guy to keep an eye out on for as far as the 4A division. And I've seen you spend some time. We just had a fellow on uh, kind of giving us a preview of the Pine Belt, but I know you've spent some time up through the Hattiesburg, um, Petal, Oak Grove area. What what quarterbacks kind of in the Pine Belt area of the state? What have you have you seen? Well, in the six A in high school, you got uh, Jackson Allen out of Petal High School. He um he actually transferred out from Madison Central to pedal who was originally in Oak Grove and I had the chance to go on to watch him last Friday he put on a great show man um very confident with his reads gets the ball out fast he has an arm too um he's another sleeper in the state man and he can he can spin the ball another hard-working kid he'll he'll open a lot of people's eyes this year too as well um I got a couple of Juco guys that have been working as well from the Pondale area you got Damon Stewart out of Oak Grove mm. High School who signed the East Mississippi. He's a true dual threat guy, man. He can hurt you in the air and he hurts you on the ground as well. He's gonna be He's a good player, isn't he? Why? Very good player, man. He's special. Then you got uh the Carlos Nicholson out of Pedal. He's um going in at Mississippi Gulf Coast fighting for a spot right now. He's got another guy, tall built. I mean, he's got a big arm as well, too, man. It, it's a lot of good kids I've had the opportunity to work with. Down on the Gulf Coast, uh, I know you mentioned the lead kid from Moss Point. Uh, the Iverville kid or somebody along the coast I saw yes, uh, you, you interacting with on Twitter, too. Um, Dwight Williams from the Iverville, he's going to be another sleeper in the state. Um, Coach Dolan will use him in a lot of ways this year. He's, he's Coach Dolan, you, you know that fella, don't you, Why? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty familiar with him, but he's going to be a good player this year. He'll do he'll pretty much do whatever it takes to win, and that's why I like him. Then you got over at Stanislaus, Gage Peterson. That'll, that'll make his debut this Friday. Um, that'll be another hardworking kid that will surprise a lot of people coming up. Yeah, I don't believe he's going to sneak up on anybody in Pearl River County, though, is he? Yeah, he's uh, I doubt that one. He's gonna be <laughs> he's gonna be another special player, man. You know, but the but the, he's trusted the process and bought into everything. He's one of those special players that do will do something big coming up. Well, you you know you know why you was talking about uh, Peterson down at Stanislaus. He's got an arm. I mean, we've uh, you know I've seen him at his uh, seventh and eighth grade year, or I'm sorry, his. Yeah, seventh, eighth grade year at PRC before he went to Stanislaus. He's got a big arm, but the kid has got a, a big body too. It's just hard to bring down. I know on some of the defense he, he played at linebacker and just a big youngin. Yeah, he works hard. I mean, he as far as I mean, it's Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, man. He's working. Um, he he really relies on the weight room a lot. Hard working kid in the weight room really believes in it. Um, as far as the speed and agility work, he's working on stuff. He's going to be a true dual threat guy. I mean, like I said, like you said, he has a big arm, but he can hurt you on the ground as well. He's a tough kid too, man. Um, 
he'll be another kid that'll have a total package coming up. He'll definitely be one to do big things for Stanislaus. Why, man, it sounds like you've given us a good scouting report. Um, As you continue to work, man, we'd love to bring you on every now and then and just kind of get the lay of the land of the quarterback position. Sounds like you're going to have your ear to the ground uh, for a while to come. And I know that just watching you on Twitter, man, just seeing the work you put in on uh, social media and then uh, the people that have kind of gravitated to you, it's been really cool to see uh, just a a fine guy, man, and have always pulled for you. So it's, it's cool to see the work put in by you and then the kids uh, turn into some good stuff here. Yes, sir. I mean, it, it's uh, the kids have been more of a blessing than I've been to them. I can tell you that, man. They, they've all, everybody I've came in contact with has had a big influence with me just as I've had on them. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what it's about. And they, I mean, everybody, else, like I told you earlier, every kid I've came in contact with, they are hardworking kids. They, they've been, they made this enjoyable and made it worth it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. You know, every weekend, like I told you, it's a new road trip and a new kid to work with. You know, it's, it's really, hey, being, it's being there for those guys on the football field, but also being away from it. You know what I mean? Hey, sure. it's, it's a lot bigger than football itself. So, why tell our listeners again what, what that uh, Twitter handle was so they can go find you. My Twitter handle is at Wyatt Dalton4. Um, we'll link that. We'll put that on our, uh, we'll, we'll put that, of course, with our podcast notes tonight. So they'll be able to find it when we get this. I say we, when Jeff gets this episode out tonight, <laughs> I know he was looking around like, what, what's sweet talking about? But when the podcast comes out, they'll see your, uh, handle there too. So why wow, we appreciate your time, man, and continue, uh, success to you, brother. Hey, I appreciate what y'all do, man. What y'all do doesn't go unnoticed. I know. As far as high school sports, college, and everything, helping mostly helping get everybody's word out, man. That's that's a big deal, and we we greatly appreciate what y'all do as well. Thank you, Wyatt. Are you looking for a place for your whole family to belong? Come and join us at Goodyear Baptist Church. We're located at 2710 Highway 43 South, just past Memorial Gardens. We have great ministries for all ages. If you're looking for something refreshing in life, if you're looking for a hope that lasts forever. If you want to experience the love of Christ, come check out GBC. Sunday morning growth group at 9.45 a.m. and worship at 11. Find us online at GoodyearBaptistChurch.com. Come as you are. There's a place for you. Come grow with us. We have Brad Locke joining the podcast tonight. He's the senior sports writer for the Daily Journal out of Tupelo. Brad, thanks for taking time for the podcast this evening. Yes, sir. How you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, for a Wednesday in August, with all that's going on in the world, I can't complain. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm kind of pumped that we're actually getting some football this week. Absolutely, man. To get started for real on Friday night, and that's why we have you on, my friend. We're located here in in Picayune, in South Mississippi, and right. so of course we get a look at those teams from up north uh, for the state championship weekend, but. We wanted a little insight. We had Starkville's head coach on last week, and uh-huh. we were just going to get a follow-up with you, kind of the teams in your area and teams that you look for to be good this year. We know West Point's always in that number, so let's kind of start there and what you expect out of West Point this season. 
Uh, yeah, West Point, uh, they're our number one team in the preseason. And, you know, I expect you're going to see just more of the same from them. They did lose a lot on offense. I mean, they lost pretty much all their offensive production. You know, they, they mainly run the ball. So they lost Brandon Harris and a couple other really good uh, backs. Uh, but uh, they're going to be strong, I think, on the offensive line. And they got a kid, a senior, to Cookie Payton, who hasn't really played much, but uh, uh, West Point told me he's the real deal and he's going to be able to do some damage. You know, Chris Chambliss, he's been there for, what, 15, 16 years, something like that. And, um, yeah, this will be a 15 years. And he, he's got that system so well-tuned uh, and everything that they just can plug guys in every year. And, uh, and defensively, you know, that's another one that they're calling for, because defense. And they got this defensive engine, Quirius Thomas, uh, can, can really kind of make things happen in the opposing backfield. And uh, they got a good uh, run, uh, linebacker, Keon Cunningham, to do the same thing. So uh, I would look for both of those guys uh, to wreak some havoc on, on opponents. So, no, just I, I see no reason why West Point would take a step back this year. Brad, when you look at what's been accomplished at West Point, I mean, really, real comparable to uh, the role that South Panola put together years ago. You've right. had a firsthand look at it. I mean, they're just dominant year in and year out. Yeah, and like I said, they just have that system that works so well. They start developing these kids in that system uh, in seventh grade, and then you know, they've got really, really good staff uh, uh, that works with those junior high kids and and gets them ready to to play whenever it's their time on the varsity level. And that's the thing; I mean, they're so deep. You know, a lot of these kids like Jacoby Tate, who's supposedly a really good player, and had the chance to show it. And he's a senior, but you see that a lot because. Uh, they've got so many uh, good players at every position. It's really, you know, if you crack that lineup, then, you know, you've done something. And uh, Chris Chambliss, man, he's just uh, – today on, I did a little uh, football – we got a football radio uh, – excuse me, football video uh, broadcast that we do uh, every week during the season, looking at the games coming up. And one of the questions I asked was, uh, you know, who would who would make a better Old West gambler? Chris Chambliss or his, his opposing coach this week, Chris Jones, of course, from Circle. And, you know, nothing against Jones, but if you've known Chris Chambliss like I have, you can totally see him sitting at a poker table taking everybody's money. Yeah. <laughs> you have a system worked out, you can, you can not read his face. That man can, 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 he can, does not betray his emotions ever. <laughs> well, I had the pleasure of being on the sidelines for that championship ball game last year against Picune and Mm-hmm. It wasn't long after that. I think audio got called or it was on video, but either him or one of the assistants were minding uh, the youngins, you know, that the weight room would either start the next day or that following Monday. Yep. So it was kind of business as usual, even after winning yet another state title. Yeah, I mean, that's how they do it, man. They work. And I know it, it sounds cliche or it sounds overly simple, but it's, it's really what they do when they take it very seriously. They just work, 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 and they work harder than just about anybody else. And, you know, I know all teams work hard, but I don't know, maybe it's something about the, the way they work, but they just uh, always, even after winning all these championships, do not seem satisfied. And just, uh, you know, like Aquarius Thomas, I did a story on him the other day, and uh, that's what he talked about, but he just wants to work to, to be the best player he can be, and he wants to work to, you know, eventually get out of this point and make something of himself in life. So that whole work ethic uh, just permeates the whole program. Brad, some 
other teams in your area that y'all look for to uh, have good seasons and potentially make a run in a playoff? Well, we got to mention Starville. Like you said, you talked to Chris Jones. Of course, they have Luke Altmaier, arguably the best quarterback in the state and certainly the best passing quarterback. I know you got that the, the, the Ty Keys kid at the Taylor School is obviously a dynamite player. Uh, Oxford, defending 6A champ, they did lose a lot uh, on offense, lost their quarterback. Uh, John Mayer lost to uh, uh, John Marr, and they lost uh, J.J. Pahees, of course, their center with Auburn. So they, just, they do have a lot of new pieces of, uh, at the skill positions, and they lost pretty much all their defense. But, you know, I think Chris Cutcliffe uh, is kind of establishing a very similar type of program as you see at West Point, and I think they're still going to be a team to be reckoned with in, uh, in 6A. Corinth lost a lot. They're the reigning 4A champ. Uh, but they run that wing T, and uh, Todd Lowry has gotten that system really well ingrained into all of his players. They'll be able to plug in some guys, and they have some, some good uh, returning skill players as well, and the same on defense. And then Tupelo, uh, you know, they got a new coach, Ty Harden, very successful at Houston. And uh, the Wave have a really good quarterback in Jake Ware, two really good linebackers in Dalton Hughes and Justin Wilson. And uh, they get a good first test against Neshoba Central uh, coming up this Friday. So, as far as the large schools, uh, the, all those teams are, are really, really good. And then, you know, you look at the small schools, and, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of small schools up here, uh, and a lot of 1A uh, schools, especially up this way. But uh, as far as that goes, uh, you know, you got the you got teams like Tupelo Christian. Look out for them. They could surprise some people in, in 1A. They got, some, they got pretty much everybody back uh, offensively. And, um, Including Kai Holiday, the quarterback, and then they've got uh, uh, receiver. They got Noah Foster, and they got Josh Berry at running back. So, but for them to make some noise, I really like Amory. What they got coming back, they got the Hunter Jones at quarterback. He'll be a fourth-year starter. He's got a bunch of really good targets uh, at receiver, like Jay Hampton, and they've got a really good running back, uh, Charleston French. He's just a sophomore, and uh, Clay, you may recognize that last name, French, right? Yeah, yeah, son of Rufus French. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and Charleston, really, he, he actually came on strong last year uh, at running back. So they got a bunch of really good school players uh, there. Boonville is going to be good again, I think, in 3A. Got an experienced quarterback in John Daniel Beaton. And even with Ty Harden leaving, I think Houston's going to be pretty tough uh, as well. They got Baylor Dan Pierce as the coach. His dad, Charlie, is a longtime coach in the area. And, uh, and then Calvin City, uh, they got MB Jennings as head coach now. You know, he played at Calvin City. Uh, played at uh, Arkansas State and spent some time in the NFL. And he's got some some uh, he's got some holes to fill, but uh, Calhoun City is kind of one of one of those teams that, like West Point, is able to kind of plug holes and, and uh, keep keep moving. So those would be uh, the teams I would really look out for. Brad, so y'all kind of look forward to working that first weekend in December each and every year. I'm looking at this uh, preview: a six A champ, a five A champ, and a four A champ all returning. In your area, football and high school pretty important in that part of the world. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we are known as a uh, you know, basketball country. You got the hill country and all that. Uh, uh, your basketball, as it's called. We've got a lot of really good uh, teams around here in that sport. A lot of tradition and pride, but definitely would say the same for football. I think. I mean, uh, Corinth. You know, that was its first state championship last year, but they've had a lot of really good teams in the past. Uh, Oxford has had some good teams in the past. Tupelo, obviously, has had some really good teams. Stark was all, pretty much always in the mix. And uh, some of these smaller schools, too, have uh, always uh, been pretty solid. Amory, you know, back in the 90s, uh, won three or four 
big deal. Uh, I mean, it's the only sport that we do a uh, really big football preseason magazine for, uh, 58 pages, so that tells anything. Yeah, and I imagine <laughs> people up that way eat it up, too. Oh, yeah, man, they do. They do, and I think it came out really good once again, and we got an online version of it as well at dcurnal.com, just FYI. Yeah, I knew you were ty- you're our type of guy when I was going through your Twitter feed and I saw you uh, prepping or previewing y'all's show, and you were y'all's advertiser was a pizza uh, company locally there, and you in- indulged in a slice of pizza as part of preview. I said, I bet old Brad would be fun to visit with. Yeah, man. I mean, pizza doctor. You know, the second time I have advertised, if they're going to sponsor the show, I figure out to, you know, at least show people that hey, it's so good, I'll eat it. So (laughs) (laughs) it's free pizza for me. So I mean, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, Brad. When you look at uh, this coming game, you mentioned it. West Point and Starville. Kind of give us the lay of the land on what what you think may play out there. Oh, man, that's a tough one to call. I, I, I really hate to pick against West Point. Um, but, you know, Starkville is so good. Again, the kid, Altmeyer, and he'll have some good targets to throw to. they got some really good uh, guys on defense like uh, Keyshawn Lawrence. But I think uh, could, where the game could turn is in the trenches, as it often does. Starkville has five new starting offensive linemen. And then I mentioned Aquarius Thomas uh, for West Point, that defensive end that can really uh, be a nightmare for quarterbacks and that. Again, they're going to be strong on that front seven. And I'm imagining they're going to try to get to Altmaier and get him on the ground. So, obviously, they're going to need to establish the run in those offensive linemen. They're going to have to, you know, manage to, to keep that West Point uh, defense at base now. Brad, when you look at the rivalry between Starbull and Oxford, you know, of course, the irony there between Ole Miss and State being the rival that they are. But on the high school level, I'm sure that the atmosphere is going to be dented some with, with the, the pandemic. But what is that game normally like? Well, you know, last year started beat Oxford in the regular season and pretty handily, as I recall. And Oxford came back and beat Starkville in the North Final. And I was at that game, and that was a really intense game. Obviously, the stakes were high. Uh, the place was packed out with fans. Uh, you know, obviously, it won't be. Well, they don't get to play this year once it's in the playoffs. That game gets uh, caught up in the two-week delay. But um, – yeah, that's, uh, that is one of the better rival games around here. In fact, they call it the Little Egg Bowl. So. Yeah, fun stuff. Brad, man, we appreciate your time tonight. And as the season rolls on and some of these teams that you've mentioned tonight roll on, maybe we can visit with you later in the year as we get ready for playoff football. Absolutely. Thank you, Brad. Yes, sir. Brad, before we before we get off, tell them again where they can find your uh, your Twitter handle and the fine stuff that y'all put out. It, it does a good job for me, uh, keeping me up on, on that end of the state. Yeah, uh, you can uh, find the Daily Journal online at djournal.com. You can find me on Twitter at Brad Locke. That's Locke with an E. Thank you again, Brad. Yes, sir. Thank you. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we're adding new services and personnel every day. Please welcome Kimberly Carver, FNPC, to the Highland Pediatric and Primary Care Rural Health Clinic. She's another addition to our expanding family of service providers. Please call 601-358-9765 to schedule an appointment. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. Joining us on the podcast tonight, Andrew Abity. He's a Pine Belt sports editor and also podcast host. Andrew, thanks for taking time for the podcast, bud. 
Of course, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, we're fired up. Jeff and I are as high school football officially gets underway Friday night, so we wanted to check in with you and your connections and your ear to the ground in the Pine Belt area and just kind of see what teams jump out at you this preseason. Yeah, no doubt. I'm pretty excited, you know, especially with Southern Miss on Thursday, high school football on Friday. It's, it's a pretty perfect week of football. But, um, yeah, obviously I'd say uh, if I had to – so I cover all the schools of Florence and Lamar. Um, and if I had to pick, like, my, my guarantee, no doubt contender, I'd say Lumberton is easily at the top of my list. Um, they, they pretty much bring back almost their entire team that went to state last year. Robert Henry, in my mind, is one of the top five players in the state with their running back. Um, I mean, they bring back three 100 tacklers. I mean, they're, they're so deep. It's insane. They went uh, toe-to-toe with West Marion in, in their uh, scrimmage, jamboree, whatever you want to call it, last week. And, you know, I, I would say South State, at, at the very minimum, it, it's there to lose. Um. And then, of course, you have Oak Grove. Uh, you know, a lot of people were kind of shocked to see Oak Grove get back to the state championship last year because, you know, they lost John Rice Plumley. But, you know, what a lot of people didn't realize was that the whole, the rest of the whole team was back. And, you know, it was a really talented class. But, you know, I, I, I really think Oak Grove kind of reloaded. They, they got a lot of very talented transfers this year. They, they picked up North Forest's Tyrell Pollard, who's a very talented player. He's going to play receiver for them. You've got uh, Hattiesburg's uh, Cortland Harris transferred to Oak Grove as well. And not to mention the pieces they have coming back. So they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be a lot better than people might realize. In 6A, they bring back four starting offensive linemen. I think that's any coach's dream. And then uh, their quarterback this year is, I don't know if you guys remember, Kevin Barnett, who was one of the area's top receivers. Well, his younger brother, Cabe Barnett, is going to be the starting quarterback. And he was going to be the starting quarterback last year until uh, uh, Damian Stewart moved in as as a sophomore. So I'm I'm interested to see how how that pans out for them. I just think Oak Grove kind of reloaded – uh, much better than they have in past years. And given the how, you know, Brandon Pearl and, and Pedal are, everybody's kind of, you know, everybody lost a lot of their talent from last year. I think looking at the preseason, Oak Grove uh, has done a lot better uh, on paper, to say the, say the least. Um, and then Coach Ballsey uh, in that group, you know, Oak Grove is successful as that program has been starting back, I guess, uh, with Coach Barr and probably before then. But uh, Coach Colsey and that group's on a little roll. We're so close to winning a half away, really, from winning a state championship last year, as you described. But sounds like they're going to be be good again, huh, Andrew? Yeah, I, I would say so. It's just, you know, it's strange. Because, and I, like I said, you know, that whole district, I would say, is the toughest, at least in 6A South. And, you know, and – you know, we all know how deep they can get, and it's just it just seems like all the pieces are already there for Oak Grove. It's 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 hard to see them not doing well this year. I guess is the best way to put it. The big thing is going to come down to how great uh, I think Cade Barnett plays. 
um, he's been kind of like this, uh, the way it's been described to me, like a, or not described, the way I've kind of viewed it is this prodigy waiting in the wings. I've been hearing about him since he was in the eighth grade, and and so now it's finally his time. And uh, I'm really, I'm really anxious to see, you know, how he does. He played a little bit last year here and there, but I really want to see him in that starting role. He, he he's not a, a dual threat guy like John Rice and Damian Stewart, where he, he's more of a pocket passer. And he's a big kid too, and apparently his arm is the best like, between Damian Stewart, John Rice, and him. His arm is hands down the strongest and the best of those three. So, like I said, I, I'm I'm really anxious to see Oak play and and get on the field this year. They'll open this week with Golfport. Golfport's kind of in the same spot where they have to reload. So, it should be a, a pretty good one. Um, yeah. But- the offensive coordinator there at Oak Grove, Russell Mitchell, a friend of ours, a friend of the podcast, and he could draw them up now. You give him a pocket passer like you're describing there, he has wide outs all over the place and uh, give defensive backs a nightmare scenario with kind of what you're describing. That should be fun to watch. Yeah, I'd say their only weakness this year, if I had to pick one, is I think they'll be a little thin at receivers and compared to Pat. I mean, receiver was. I mean, hands down, so deep the past two years. Right. Uh, it was insanely deep the past two years. And this year, you have Jordan Coleman back, who is a great receiver uh, himself. I think a pretty underrated receiver for, receiver for the area. But um, you, And then you just have Tyrell Pollard, who's a transfer. So it's really those two guys in the receiving core. I'm kind of waiting to see who else kind of shines this year. But if I had to pick, like, an area that's the thinnest, that would be it. But that it just seems like that's something Oak Grove always has. And while we're talking Oak Grove, let's go to the rival and pedal. What, what, what's pedal forecast this year? What do you think they will um, have? It, it's hard to say because, you know, like I said, everybody in that district's reloading and, and pedal graduated pretty much everything from from their team last year as we all know Oak Grove spoiled uh, what, what, what would have been a memorable really memorable season for them they got to replace their quarterback their running backs a uh, good bit of the offensive line they they only have basically three full-time starters on offense or really four counting one of their offensive linemen um, and two of them are their receivers, Micah Cherry and Jonathan Harris. And then they're also the only two returning full-time starters on defense. So your two, two, two of your, you know, returning starters have to play both ways. And it just seems really demanding. And the way Coach Boyle's kind of described it, he's going to be asking a lot of them this year. And they're two very talented players. I just, it seems like in 6A football, asking a lot of two-way players just seems very difficult to do. But uh, I never doubt Coach Boyles because that guy always finds a way to get in the playoffs. That's what I was um, just – you cut me off, Andrew. You, you're good, man, because I was going to say, when you mix talent and Coach Boyles late in the year, you can look for him to be on some kind of run. I mean, it was just, what, two or three years ago where they got off the – uh, such a rough mm-hmm. start, and then they made a run, and it was like, yep, Coach Royals is kicking in now. So, Yeah, no doubt about that. I, that's exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure out quarterback. They, they have – they're between Jonathan Harris, who was a 
their starting receiver, one of their starting receivers the last two years. I think he played quarterback when he was on like the freshman team or whatever. Um, so they had him take take snaps at the Jamboree. And then you also got this kid, Jackson Allen, who's kind of floated around trying to earn a starting quarterback job. He was at Jackson Pratt this sophomore year. He was actually at Oak Grove last year, and this is he's at Pedal. He took some snaps at the Jamboree as well. Can't really tell you how either of them did. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see how that kind of works out for him. I do think they found their, their new running back with Cameron Harris. Um, supposedly really talented dude. I think he scored both of their touchdowns this past uh, Friday night against Hattiesburg. And then, you know, uh, like I said on defense, they, they have to replace they have to replace nine players. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out for them, but I, I always know, like like we said, Boyle finds a way. You just you just don't doubt pedal football while he's there. Absolutely. And so you mentioned Hattiesburg there. What's Coach Vance and his crew uh, going to have this year, Andrew? What will they look like, the 2020 version of the Tigers? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, last year, you know, as we all kind of saw coming, that they were going to have a down year after they graduated that, that loaded 2018 class, you know, with Snoop Connor, Drexel Allen, and all those guys. Um and the, the playmakers that were that kind of, you know, were the difference on their team, pretty much all of them graduated or left. So they're kind of having to start over again in a year where they, they didn't have much to, I guess, build on is the best way to put it. Um, they're going to be running between two quarterbacks for most of the year from what it was explained to me by Vance. And he's trying to hope – he's hoping to see – which of his two quarterbacks will um, kind of earn the job as the year progresses. Um, their guy this year that they're really looking to build or for their offense is Jacquez Andrews. He's their top rusher last year with just a couple hundred yards and a few touchdowns, but supposed to be a very talented running back. And, and like I said, they lost their running back, Cortland Harris, who left for Oak Grove. So, you know, I'm interested to see who becomes their playmakers this year because uh, Ryan Briscoe, who kind of was their guy last year, I already knew was going to be a very talented player. So uh, I don't really know who's going to uh, kind of stand out for them on the offense. And then defense, it's kind of the same thing. They, they have a lot to replace. Um, but I think they're much deeper on the defensive side of the ball. I think their defense will be a lot better this year. They do bring back, I think it was, I think he told me six or seven starters on defense. But for Hattiesburg, it's going to be a, a lot of trying to define itself as, as the season goes on. But obviously, Vance is kind of like Coach Boyles. You know, that, that's a guy who will put himself in a position to very well be at least making a chance for the playoffs. Yeah, and that's a that's a awfully tough district too that Hattiesburg competes mm-hmm. in. We record here in, in Picayune, and just being familiar, you know, what they will face week in and week out in district. If you're down a little bit, that district sure, certainly shows you no sympathy. No, yeah, I mean, if they had beaten, if if I have this right, if they would have beaten Central last year, they I think they would have gotten to the playoffs. I could be wrong, but that's the way it looked to me in, in the standings. So they were close 
last year. But, um, you know, they, they, they do have a lot of young players that played a lot last year. They're still kind of young this year. So I, I think that's something that will kind of pay off for them as the year progresses. But, you know, we'll see. Um, I guess jumping down the 4A, um, well, Forest County was forced to delay its season two weeks because of COVID-19. All they would tell me was COVID-19 protocols. I assumed that somebody tests positive and they just have to delay things for two weeks. But, you know, that's a team that uh, they're going to play six games this season. So they're going to play on regardless after, you know, their two weeks. But, you know, that's a team that had kind of struggled last year. They, They don't have the greatest of, they're, they're not very deep at skill set, but they have linemen and they always have good defenses. So I'm kind of curious to see how things work out for Forest County, especially playing 16 and throwing the district game. So they're going to be in this really weird do or die situation right off the bat to start the year for them. Um, and then this is two of the teams I'm really excited for Purvis and Summerall. Um, I know you guys got Poplarville, but I think Purvis and Summerall are going to be very, very good this year. Um, so with Purvis, they bring back a lot of pieces from their 6-6 six and six season. Their quarterback is healthy again, very deep at running back. You know, the running back that stands out is Ty Badon. He ran for 700-plus yards and uh, around 18 touchdowns. They're going yeah, to he's a good player. He was a good player last year. You're making a good point mm-hmm. there. He's a good player. Yeah, so they bring all that back. They bring a lot of their defensive players back. The only thing that's going to be the difference for them is their – I think they only bring back two starters on, the, on their offensive line. So that's going to be, the, I guess, the one thing that will decide things for them. But they're very, very talented at skill set this year. They bring back loads of experience and so i'm really excited to see purvis take the field i'm really excited to watch purvis and summerall go at it um and then speaking of summerall what a lot of people don't realize even though summerall finished three and eight last year they got off to a two and zero start but their starting quarterback who was just a sophomore last year uh he breaks his collarbone in in the second game of the season and he comes out in the first game, throws around 200-and-something yards, runs for another 103 touchdowns. I mean, he's a quarterback that I think is going to put his name out there this year because he's so young and so efficient with the ball. He picked up pretty much right where he left off um, when they played Jeff Davis this past week in, the, in their scrimmage jamboree. Um, it, that's a team I'm very excited for. They always have great defenses. Uh, his The quarterback's brother, who's the starting linebacker as a sophomore had 120 tackles. You bring that back, you bring back Cole Daniels, who's a defensive lineman who just has been there forever. South Alabama commit. I I think uh, Summerall is going to be very good this year. And I think they're going to have a very explosive offense the way Shannon White likes to have it. So I'm really anxious and kind of excited to see Purvis and, and, and Summerall you know, take the field this year. Yeah, that's interesting. As uh, Jeff and I will make that trip, I believe Popperville, Jeff, plays uh, up at Summerall. Is that correct, or, or do we have them at the Hornet Nest? Uh, no, I think uh, um, I think Popperville goes to Summerall. 
to Summerall, and yeah. I know Pearl River Central goes to Summerall this Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, Pearl River, Pearl River yeah. Central will um, be at Summerall, and uh, the last two games of the season for Poppaville was at Greene County and then at Summerall. The very last game is at Summerall for the Hornets. Should be interesting yeah. district then. Yeah, I, I think that Poplarville Summerall game, that might be – that could decide your district right there. But that's how that's how much of the ceiling is there for Summerall. So, should be fun. That's that's all I'm going to say about 4A. It should be a fun year this year. Yeah, sounds like um, y'all have got a, a lot to cover too, Andrew. A lot of ground to cover this time of year for the – uh, Pine Belt Sports crew there, and then also the podcast that y'all host give you plenty of material, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, we covered 10 area high schools now. We actually added uh, Lamar Christian, even though they're not, you know, football schools. So I technically cover 11 schools by myself. So it's uh, it gets tiring. <laughs> I'll say that, but, you know, wouldn't be doing this if I didn't like it. Yeah, that's um, for sure. But, yeah, uh, I'll just keep going. Um, North Forest was forced to cancel its season this year, which is a shame because Anthony Dillon over there, I said this time and time again, and the most underrated coach and in and, and, and at least this area. I mean, this is a guy who puts together very competitive seasons. He'll, you know, he'll come out with winning seasons with just 20 kids on his roster and and this year, the, the roster size wasn't there. They only had 15 kids sign up, so mm. they canceled their football season, which is a shame. But, um, you know, because even with 15 kids, I thought North Forest wasn't going to be bad. <laughs> wow. So that that's what happened with them. Um, dropping to um, 1A, you got Sacred Heart, who's trying to snap their 11-game losing streak. You know, they go winless last year. Um, I think they'll be better this year. They they figured out that quarterback, um, young kid Andrew. Um, uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Andrew Grubbs, dual threat quarterback that just gave him a whole different dynamic and opened the playbook for him last year. So he's really taken that position seriously, and he he's very much learned a lot for such a young player. So I, I think they'll be better. They have a very, very huge sophomore class, so they're probably going to take their, you know, their licks this year. But I think it's going to pay off for them in the in the long run. And I think they should get a win this year and snap that that not so fun streak. And then I think if I if I hit everybody, um, my last team would be PCS, and they're one and one. They're, that's a team that can they they run the ball scary. <laughs> They had uh, over 450 rushing yards last last week. Marquise Crosby ran for 250 plus. Um, they got Park Lane, and they're they're a much better team uh, this year than they were last year. I think it's safe to say. So, Andrew, the pandemic—how has it affected you being able to get uh, access and and to be able to do? Do your job, man, with the, with this preview and and to be able to uh, truly know what's going on prior to the year. Well, I think like everybody else, you know, they didn't get to have spring football, they didn't get to have summer football. So when I was making my rounds, a lot of the coaches were pretty genuine in not knowing what they have. Right. Um, so I, so you know, I, 
would probably have a little bit more information on some of these teams, but you know, some of these coaches just honestly didn't know. Um, so I think that was one, you know, trying to put together my football preview this year was more of a headache in past years, trying to coordinate different things that normally would be easily taken care of. And this year it just, it was way, way harder. Like getting team pictures was, was a nightmare. Uh, so I, I just gave up on that for this year. Um, but you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with, uh, you know, being, being on the football sidelines, like I know, Hattiesburg and Laurel play this week, you know, Little Brown Jug, and I think they're only going to put the media in, that, in, like, the north end zone or something like that. I don't know how I'm going to keep stats for the game, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of figure that out as I go. I guess is the best way to do it. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, it, it could be a lot worse for, you know, from a media perspective. It's been as good as it can be, so... As long as nothing gets canceled, I'm good to go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We get football on Friday, and we're excited about that, Andrew. And we appreciate you giving us this information on the Pine Belt uh, area. Tell our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can follow you on Twitter to stay in tune with what y'all are putting that out all season long. Right. Um, you can follow us on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Pine Belt Sports. Um, you can go look up the Pine Belt Sports Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and it's on our website as well. And if you want to follow me, uh, my Twitter account is at uh, Andrew Abity. That's just A-B-A-B-I-E. Um, and, yeah, guys, I, I appreciate you guys having me on again. Sure. Thank you, Andrew. We appreciate your time in and information tonight. We'll be checking in with you, too, around playoff time. Right. Let's do this again and see uh, what's what. Absolutely. Have me on. Thank you, Andrew. Whether you're planning a wedding reception, birthday, or just want a little pizzazz to any old party, let the good folks at Diamond Productions help you with that. They specialize in all your live event production needs. They have a full inventory of broadcast cameras, audio equipment, lighting, and even a video wall. Look them up on the web at dplive.com or give their office a call at 769-242-2450. Let Diamond Productions take your event to the next level. We are fortunate enough now to be joined by Josh Berrien. He's the WLOX sports anchor. And Josh, thanks for taking time for the podcast this evening. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure being here. Josh, I left out in the intro, but uh, it was back in April that you were named the AP sports anchor of the year for Mississippi and Louisiana. So a delayed uh, congratulations on that awesome accomplishment thank you um uh, glory to god in the midst of a pandemic um <laughs> this is definitely the best news i've heard throughout the throughout the entirety of this year and um you know that's a tribute to the south mississippi teams and just all the stories that come out of it um i definitely did not expect that um or even think that was a possibility coming down here to the coast uh in 2018 when i first got here and uh, my boss and all of my amazing co-workers uh, at WLOX made that possible again. Co-workers, um, South Mississippi team, um, I mean, that, that's where that comes from. So, you know, all my job is to do is to uh, uh, educate, uh, inform, and, uh, of course, entertain. So as long as I can do those three and put a smile on people's faces, uh, I've done my job. 
Josh, how have you liked the area and the sports scene? As you said, you've you've had plenty of time now to kind of know your way around and, and kind of where the stories, you've certainly found them. So how have you liked your time here on the Gulf Coast? Um, honestly, it's, uh, it's come as a, as a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, coming from Tallahassee, Florida, where you got Florida State, you got Florida A&M, you got uh, Tallahassee Community College, my hometown, uh, and then moving to Pennsylvania, um, we have Penn State, where I was covering Penn State. I was covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was, uh, you know, covering all these, you know, hockey. I was mostly covering hockey and uh, and, um, and wrestling, um, which were major sports up there. Um, and then now coming back down to the south, um, which I love, uh, just for the warmth. Um, you know, South Mississippi has truly surprised me when it comes to uh, the fandom down here, when it comes to athletics. I mean, they go all out. It isn't just football. I mean, they go all out when it comes to volleyball. I get emails all the time as to why I'm, as to why we're not at cross country events, um, and mostly because you know those are in the morning, and you know, uh, you know, you just had a hard time just getting in touch with me. You know, our, <laughs> our mainly our day our daily time for me and Michael is from uh, 2 p.m. to almost uh, 12 a.m. Uh, at midnight, but you know, most people don't see that. They just, you know, see us pop up on TV every night at 10 o'clock, and they're like, "All right, well, I guess that's what they did today." So, um, but yeah, South Mississippi is uh, their fans are truly some of the best fans that I've seen, just from a local perspective. Um, especially again when it comes to high school football, and you know, I'm just glad that you know they're going to be able to have that back. Um, you know, again with COVID-19. Uh, taking over the country, essentially. I'm glad they, you know, these kids, especially, are going to be able to have that back and going to be able to have their senior season, um, unlike the kids uh, back in spring. Josh, when you look at teams that you've been able to cover so far in y'all's gridiron um, series, what are some stories or some teams that jump out at you along uh, the Mississippi Gulf Coast as we prep for high school football? And you've said it's going to get truly underway Friday night. Uh, well, one of the stories that we haven't had a chance to really cover yet um, because of uh, the storms and, uh, you know, just because of timing purposes is I didn't realize how loaded Biloxi was um, when it comes to a roster. I mean, they have two of the top defensive linemen in the state in R.J. Moss and Devon Smith. Um, you know, not to mention, I'm not even talking about, you know, Elijah, Elijah Sabatini, who is just a hybrid and, you know, who is an old Miss commit. I mean, that that squad right there, you know, they have a chance to, to really, really go deep into the playoff um, picture. I know Catlin French, I know he would love that to happen um, going into, uh, I believe, what is year three for him. I mean, they have a bunch of guys coming back on, on the defensive end and, um, you know, on offense, uh, you know, their quarterback situation there, they have a bunch of weapons. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be really uh, keeping my eye out for them, and um, we'll definitely be covering them next Tuesday when they're able to be back on campus and start practicing. Um, but one of the most, uh, I guess, interesting stories that um, I've come across for me as I've covered teams um, in, I guess, a team that, you know, I'm kind of rooting for is, uh, is Popperville. Um, I mean, Popperville, my goodness. I mean, they've had chance after chance after chance. And I mean, let's, let's give credit where credit is due. Those teams up north, I mean, they're, they're they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster. But Popperville 
still some somehow some way finds a way to get there, get to the championship game, especially last year where it took everyone by surprise, um, you know, except for obviously people in Popperville where, you know, they end up reeling off uh, eight straight games to get to the championship game all after losing uh, at the beginning of the season, um, you know, going like one and four or oh and four uh, at one point. Um, so Jay Beach, uh, I mean, that man can coach his tail off uh, with the talent that he has up there. And, um, you know, I'm going to be really, really excited to see what they're able to do this year, and I really hope they're able to get the job done. I mean, really, it's honestly anybody's season um, this year. I mean, it's a unique situation with COVID-19. You don't know who's going to be playing this week. Um, I know Bay High just had to cancel their season opener. I reported that last night against uh, Forest County AHS. I mean, their their whole team has to quarantine the Aggies, so Bay High will have to now start an eight-game schedule come next uh Friday, September 11th, just like Biloxi. So it's going to be an interesting season. You don't know who's going to be in, who's going to be out. But they're going to be one of these South Pacific teams that takes advantage of that and handles their business um, while they're off the field uh, from a health perspective uh, to make sure they're um, one of the final teams standing. Once again, we're joined by Josh Berry and WLOX Sports Anchor. And, Josh, um, we cover Popperville each and every Friday night, and so we've always kind of – um, they've spoiled us. They've played in three of the last four state championships. So we're kind of always looking what's the competition going to be like. And you did a report um, recently that caught my attention. That was Moss Point and, and the success they've had uh, recently and the drought that they had had from years past. But uh, they look to have a, a playmaker at quarterback and Ruben Deuce Lee, and just kind of tell me uh, what you got from your sense of being around them at practice. Absolutely. Um, they always talk about um, going back uh, and bringing another gold ball uh, to the legacy of Moss Point. And, um, you know, they they haven't won one in, in 20 years. And, you know, that means obviously the current roster doesn't know what that feels like and you know can experience it they always hearing stories from the old heads and you know they told me straight up you know they're tired of hearing stories they want to experience it for themselves and tell their kids one day what they did and the legacy that they left and um you know behind uh arguably the best quarterbacks on the coast this year uh deuce lee six foot one 200 pounds i mean can throw it anywhere across the field he has two 1000 yard receivers um you know out there looking like lsu 2019, um, I mean, that team is scary. Um, they could honestly, um, they should uh, not only win the region again, but they should make a deep playoff run. Um, hopefully, you know, injuries don't get in the way of that. Hopefully, you know, decisions on the field, um, smart decisions are being made on the field, and, you know, they don't have any mental lapses. But, you know, they definitely um, are going to be able to gain some traction this year. And uh, like I said before, it, it's it's a year where, you know, it's anybody's game. You know, no one's going to come into this thing, although, you know, I'm somewhat rooting for Popperville to go back and actually uh, claim their first ever state title. Um, it's anybody's game this year because we just don't know exactly how the virus is going to factor, factor into everything because it could take out your best player for two weeks, and that obviously would factor into whether you win or lose certain games. So, uh, again, when it comes to the Moss Point Tigers, um, they're hungry. Um, I know for a fact that Coach Harmon, um, that he's ready to have some success uh, on his end. He did last year the region championship. 
um, obviously has gained, uh, given them a lot of confidence and a lot of hope for the program. Um, but that right now they're just focused on just trying to have a winning record um, for the first time since 2015, uh, as well as, uh, you know, again, just trying to make sure that they uh, make more than just a dent in the playoff picture. Josh, when you look at COVID-19 and the restrictions um, certainly have kind of been lifted from the governor as far as what's going to be um, expected at the games on Friday night, how will it change y'all's coverage on Friday nights for high school football for WLOX? Um, well, we covered a couple of games for scrimmages. Um, I mean, obviously, the first thing that you know is the, of the crowd, right? Um, and this was before um, Governor Tate Reeves uh, you know, increased it to uh, the capacity to 25%, um, kind of like college football uh, for college teams. Um, but that's the first thing that you notice when you get in. In terms of our coverage and what we're allowed to do, I don't think that we are allowed to, um, you know, run through uh, the box of teams, team boxes. Um, they have a rule where they're actually extending team boxes to the 10-yard line. That way it allows more social distancing for the players. And, you know, as plays are happening, you know, from my position, you know, you're out there shooting game, you know, you want to, you know, follow the action. You want you always want the ball to come towards you. That way if the quarterback decides to snap, you know, it snaps the ball, the quarterback throws it, you always want the ball to come in your direction. That way the action is coming towards you uh, for TD purposes. Not a way. Um, you always want to bring the action to the viewers. And so what that means is, for me, physically, I have to run from one end of the end zone to the other side of the end zone. And the quickest way to do that is to go through the team boxes, um, you know, while they're drinking water or setting up plays or, you know, just hyping their teammates up. I don't believe that we're going to be able to do that um, with season starts just from uh, safety um, perspective, which is perfectly fine. Obviously, we can go around and go near the cheerleaders or wherever. Um, that way, we got to go to the other side to catch up with the action. But I honestly feel like that's the only thing that's going to uh, hinder us. Um, now, from a college standpoint, we're going to find out what that looks like. Michael Dugan is actually going to Hattiesburg to cover a USM for the first FBS uh, matchup of the college football season uh, here in America. Uh, we'll, we'll see what that looks like, but he's already telling me that he has to be uh, in the north end zone for the entirety of the game, and he can't do any live hits or anything like that um, while he's out there. So that, that's going to be interesting. Um, but as far as high school is concerned, I know for a fact that we uh, probably will not be able to, again, run through the team box to get to the other side of the field uh, for, uh, for shooting the end. Josh, obviously a guy who's cares about his craft and studies his craft, somebody in particular uh, that you look up to in this line of work or that you kind of study their work and say, yep, that's what I'm striving after. Anybody that jumps out at you? Um, currently, uh, in terms of uh, current uh, talent that is living, um, there's a guy by the name of uh, the two guys, really, um, uh, Chris Williamson. He is a um, SNY uh, anchor, sports anchor uh, in New York, and uh, I met him uh, one time. I met him through social media, but I met him one time at an annual conference I normally go to, and a uh, great guy, humble guy, um, same age as me, but uh, he's obviously at a different level uh, when it comes to uh, this game of sports broadcasting, and um, he's working for a regional network, and that's kind of what I'm striving for right now. My ultimate goal is to um, hopefully be in Miami 
one day and working for the Fox Sports Florida Network down there and covering the Miami Heat and uh, being a host slash reporter um, for the Miami Heat, um, you know, God willing. And uh, so he's, he's doing a little bit of that right there, and he's able to, you know, uh, go to Knicks games and, and Brooklyn Knicks games and do some sideline reporting with uh, with the UConn Huskies, um, which uh, is big, exciting in itself. Um, so he's having a bunch of fun. Um, so there's that. And then there's um, also uh, another sports anchor out there. Um, his name is uh, Justin. His name is Casey at, at the moment, but he's also in New York right now. He uh, He's a uh, anchor, um, uh, sports anchor as well as a sideline reporter. Um, you know, I look up to him, but the guy that I mostly look up to and, uh, was raised upon was, uh, Stuart Scott. Hmm. God bless his soul. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's the Michael Jordan of sports broadcasting and, uh, just the style. And I think I, I don't try to mimic him. You, you, you just can't, you can't mimic, you know, people. And if you do, then you lose yourself. You lose, um, your personality in it. I feel like what he taught me while he was living, um, even though I didn't get to meet him was unfortunate. Um, is the fact that he made me feel comfortable just being myself on air. So whenever you look at me on air, I'm naturally myself. I'm not acting. I'm not trying to be somebody else. I'm naturally happy. I'm naturally giving you information the way I would to a best friend of mine. And that's the way it should be. The conversation on TV that I have with people, that's the way it should be. It should be a conversation. I shouldn't have to be reeling off that. You know, telling you about the old days, blah, blah, blah. That's boring. I don't want to hear that. We want a conversation. I try to make sure that my sportscasts are as conversation as possible. If it's breaking news, I try to add a little bit more personality, like, oh, my gosh, did you hear about mm. this? Like, I try to make it as if, you know, me and the camera are best friends. I try to make sure I'm, I'm talking to my best friend every time. So whenever I'm talking to South Mississippi on camera, I'm talking to my best friends. I'm you know, sitting there, you know, giving you the information about certain sports teams and what's going on in the sports world uh, and how it's affecting um, the community. But uh, I feel like that's the major lesson that I got from him. You know, you can naturally be yourself on air, and, hey, if people don't like it, then they can stop watching. Um, but, you know, obviously I want everyone in South Mississippi to watch whenever WLOS comes on at 10 o'clock at night whenever I'm on air um, or whether I'm live in the field. So, um, that's kind of what I took from him, and uh, yeah, so that that would be a guy for sure that I say I look up to and uh, you know admire. Yeah, that's that confidence he carried inside of him, and it just shows I'm our age. I'm forty. You've already mentioned you're much younger than that. You know, I grew up on Keith Olderman and then Dan Patrick, and of course, Stu took that. Um, right when they were getting out of it. And so uh, the different generations and the different styles, but uh, the confidence. So I know that we promise you we keep you only for 10 or 15 minutes, but you mentioned the Heat. Give me kind of a bubble report from outside the bubble as if you were that Miami Heat. What's going to come of uh, their series, and are they going to be able to make enough noise down there? I mean, they're already 1-0 against the Bucks. They've had, they've had great success against the Bucks this year. I believe they're 3-0 right now. Jimmy Butler just went off for a career high 40 <laughs> points the other night. So, uh, and I honestly, I didn't expect that from him. I don't, that's the thing, I don't really expect him to take over games. I feel like he doesn't really make a huge splash on the box board, but I feel like he does enough, and because he's a great, one of the best two-way players in the league, 
I feel like he's able to get in where he fits in. I feel like he's able to do just enough to get his team to victory. And I feel like that's all he wants. And that's all he wants. Uh, anybody wants at this point. You just want to win because you have no choice. It's either you win or you go home. Um, but I feel like their strategy against Giannis, uh, keeping him out of the paint, uh, maybe putting, putting him in, in a box of one, um, you know, will help, you know, just try to keep, you know, hone in on him and let other guys beat you. Um, especially, uh, Middleton, who everyone kind of, you know, gives a lot of, you know, flack to because they don't believe he's a true all-star, uh, although he had 28 points and arguably his best game of the series, um, this past, uh, Monday. But, uh, we'll see what happens. I honestly, I'm not trying to give any predictions about what's going to happen in a series. I just really, really want to see them play well. And if this team, each team can go to the conference finals without a quote unquote superstar on the roster, I mean, that just makes it more attractive to any superstar that's out there that, you know, will hit free agency within the next year and a half. It's like, oh, you know what? I mean, Miami already has a squad. I mean, you got Tyler Hero, um, as well as Duncan Robinson, who just cannot miss from three point <laughs> land. I'm serious. I have not seen a player like him, uh, in terms of just being that well of a three point shooter since Jason Pono, uh, days when he was with D Wade and Shaq, uh, on that first Miami, uh, Heat championship team back in 2006. So, uh, it, it's crazy just the amount of young talent they have. That, that's the scary part. They have a lot of guys that can hurt you and, uh, Kendrick Nunn. Sam out of bio, uh, who, you know, plays like uh, a big man, but at the same time has uh, enough game where he can, you know, pull up from mid-range and even sometimes he can pull up from outside. So he's still growing and, and learning his craft and his game. Like I say, Pat Riley is just a don. I mean, that, that's why I love Pat Riley's team. They're gritty, they're hard-nosed, and they will never give up. That's one thing you can say about Pat Riley's team. They're never going to give up. They're going to give you their best. They're going to uh, play to the last minute, last second of the game. And they're always going to be in contention somehow, some way. So um, I'm hoping, again, not going to give a prediction, but I'm, I'm really, really hoping they come out of the series. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Jimmy can keep this all-star, superstar level performance up. I mean, 40 points in the first game. Uh, who knows what he's going to be able to do the rest of the series. Yeah, he's been a lot of fun to follow on social media, too. I saw where he set up a, a coffee shop. He's charging those guys $20 a <laughs> cup of coffee. So he's been a blast to follow in the bubble as well. Right. After dropping 40, I'm serious. After dropping 40 points, he has every right to charge his coffee for 40 <laughs> bucks a pop. He has every right. <laughs> Josh, man, we appreciate your time and keep up the good work, bud. Thank you so much, man, for this opportunity. And uh, let me know whenever we can do this again, man. It was fun. Will do. Thank you, brother. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we are reshaping the mammography experience. We are the only facility in the region offering a 3D mammogram with the lowest patient dose of radiation, all with increased comfort and confidence. Our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. We're lucky enough tonight to be joined by J.D. Byers. J.D. is the play-by-play voice of the University of South Alabama Jaguars. And here in South Mississippi, he's a man of particular interest because those Jaguars make their trip over to Southern Miss tomorrow evening. So thank you for joining us on the podcast tonight, J.D. 
Hey, thanks for having me. It's, you know, it's been busy interviews like this. I was amazed, but after I thought about it, not quite as much because the, the attention for a game like this, there's not much competition. Nobody else is playing. So, uh, yeah, the phone's been ringing a lot as far away as Dallas and uh, podcasts and radio interviews. And it's just good to see South Alabama and Southern Miss getting showcased like this. It really is, J.D., and I'm not sure. I'm, I know it has something to do with TV, but whoever made the move to get this on a Thursday night and kind of get out in front was certainly uh, a brilliant move. Yeah, Thursday's good. Eight o'clock could have been uh, a little better at seven, though, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I would. Hey, look, as a season ticket holder with uh, two youngins under the age of ten, I, I would certainly agree with that. Yeah, and, and you know, some of our folks have been like, "Wow, eight. And I said, "Hey, it's it's Hattiesburg. It's it's not you know, uh, other side of Louisiana. We're going to get back at a decent hour. Don't complain." That's right. At least we'll have. Uh, football, J.D., and how excited is that community um, to see some live football? Oh, just, you know, it's incredible because, you know, you guys are not unique to the fact that there's two SEC schools in your in your state. Uh, and, you know, we're going to be the only show in town, you know, even on the radio network. We're, we're, we're going across 12 stations statewide, and uh, there, there's not going to be any college football on the radio, you know, just as an example, until the end of September. And th- this town has its allegiances to those two other programs. But now it's a chance to maybe have them sample you, not necessarily in the stadium, uh, but to follow you on television where normally maybe they're going to Tuscaloosa or Auburn or, or maybe even LSU for that matter. A lot of LSU fans are here. But, but they're hungry college football fans. Uh, you know, and the, the fact that this game and this matchup is finally happening uh, to – non-conference rivals located so close. And I was thinking about this, you know, uh, I spent some time uh, Tuesday and then again today, I I consider John Cox, the the voice of the Golden Eagles, a very dear friend. He's been, he's going into his 44th years, the voice of Southern Miss. That means he started when I was four, but but a, a side note, yeah, a side note to that. If John's listening to this, J.D., he's going to nudge you tomorrow when he brings this up. But go ahead. Oh, I'm, <laughs> you're getting first crack at it because I'm actually going to do it again in a radio interview on our network. So uh, this is actually what I'm going to go over with. But, but the, that's a sidebar to set up this. John Cox was entering his 34th year as voice of the Golden Eagles when he, like others, were hearing that a program in Mobile they've been used to playing in baseball and basketball was thinking about starting football. So, you know, here's a still a kind of an infant college football program that has grown in 10 years and now opening its own on-campus state-of-the-art football stadium and providing a, a good regional non-conference opponent to the likes of Southern Miss, to Tulane, uh, et cetera. And, you know, it's just good for the whole Southeast, even though it's not a Power Five, but uh, it, it's a good travel trip for folks like the Green Wave and the Golden Eagles. Yeah, it certainly is, J.D., and um, not far from y'all, the Fairhope area and, of course, the beaches of Gulf Shore. I mean, it's a, a really an ideal place to, to make a road trip and make turn it into a long weekend. Am I right there? Yeah, you guys come to us next year uh, to see Hancock-Whitney Stadium, and uh, that's actually another reason I'm liking the fact that a lot of our games have been moved to Thursday, next, uh, our next home game after Tulane moves to Thursday. 
uh, is that opens up some weekends for, for yours truly to head down to the beach. Um, so maybe, uh, you know, Golden Eagle fans want to make a, a good weekend out of it. That, that'd be a great way to do it. Enjoy college football and then hit the sand. J.D., when you look at Coach Campbell, we're familiar with him, and you bring up Thursday nights, ironically enough, over in the Mississippi Juco League. Um, Jeff and I had the pleasure to cover Pearl River Community College, and, of course, our rival was Mississippi Gulf Coast. And Coach Campbell and our coach at that time was Coach Tim Hatton had some uh, real battles, uh, both really good programs. And So kind of tell us what Coach Campbell's time has been like there at South Alabama. Well, you know, he's brought uh, a brand and a philosophy and mission that has created really good character. Uh, you know, in, in FBS college football, it can get away from you if you're not careful. And, you know, it's, it's on your watch as a head coach. And, and, you know, Coach Campbell and I predate that in our relationship, in fact. Uh, you know, I was when I was a player uh, in college, he was an assistant at Delta State. Wow. Uh, and on and on that team when he was an assistant was a Mark Hudspeth, mm-hmm. who's you know gone on to the, to good coaching ranks in Mississippi sure. Native. Uh, and then you know I've watched Steve Campbell uh, from a from a radio booth win a college national championship at the D two ranks, and and I know what he's about. I know who he likes to surround himself with, and you know he and I have a very similar quasi-rural background in that, you know, we're, we're kind of down-to-earth and a little bit old-fashioned, but he's very modern in his techniques and strategies, and, uh, you know, he's not running the wishbone, for goodness sakes. It's it's spread with a lot of motion. Uh, you know, defensively, it's it's pretty much straightforward. It's not a lot of exotic blitzes, but they want to control you and, and out-physical you. And But he, he has high expectations of his players to, to do the right thing and be good young men and, and have those intangibles and that, that starts with recruiting, and, and he loves this fertile area around Mobile and especially uh, his, his ties and his roots to Mississippi. J.D., you bring up expectations, and you know if the facilities come along, and they certainly have there. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but that brings a certain level of expectations to the pressure for this program uh, this year opposed to years past. You know, I, I think if there if there wasn't a pandemic, I, I think yeah, there, there's there's going to be some eyeballs on you, and there's there's going to be some expectations because now you're on the back half of a contract. Uh, but given everything else that's going on, and uh, you know the the travel, because now you're taking a closer look at Southern Miss, for example, not going over tonight. We're gonna as a team going to go over tomorrow, play the game, come home. Tulane's going to do the same thing when they come to us. I think you got to account for the fact there's so much that not only has happened to prepare, but what can happen. Uh, you know, you're looking at a three deep right now at quarterback for South Alabama. We're going to be taking three. Well, we were tested today. I was in that list. Tomorrow we may find out the starting quarterback, starting running back, middle linebacker were positive. Well, you know, n- now you may be saying, hey, guys, get on the bus. I know you were supposed to stay at home, but we're going to address you. And, and these guys have to stay in quarantine. And now you got a totally different lineup when you get to the rock. Uh, so, you know, you got to look at down the road. You want to get all 11 games in. But, you know, who knows who's starting where by the time you get to week eight, uh, hypothetically. And, and gosh, let, let's cross our fingers. We get to week eight because, yeah. 
this is this could be a crazy fall. Yeah, it really could be. And you've mentioned it uh, once or twice, Shady, but kind of give our listeners here uh, a lay of the land of what new facilities and what this Hancock-Whitney Stadium. I, I've followed you uh, on Facebook and now recently on Twitter and some neat videos. It just looks outstanding. It looks like a beautiful place. Yeah, you know, the, 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 good, the good thing was planning – Way back uh, when the campus opened in the early 60s was that, you know, the land was accumulated with uh, the anticipation of growth. And that's exactly what's happened. Uh, you know, by 2015, the enrollment was just north of 17,000. It was a one building university in the 60s, uh, but they had acreage. So there is a really, really state of the art field house with a with a, you know, unbelievable weight room, sports medicine, uh, coaches offices film breakdown but uh you know then the next step was an artificial practice field and a and a and a you know a live grass field uh but, but at that point we're playing down at lad table stadium and with traffic that that's a 30 minute drive just to get to your stadium and and then the next step was the indoor practice facility uh we like to call it the lsu practice facility uh thanks to the the payday game we had that didn't ever happen that never happened <laughs> <laughs> you remember that game because of the hurricane year with Florida. Right. Uh, but, hey, we got it up, and it looks great. It's the largest covered practice facility in the state. Uh, and now the, the opening of Hancock-Whitney Stadium, uh, great press tower, a four-story end zone building uh, on the north that, that also houses administration. And, uh, you know, it, it, we're glad to be there. We're very fortunate. We're blessed. But uh, it has all the bells and whistles, and, and we just feel feel very fortunate to be where we are. And now it's time to hang some banners and win some games. Uh, we haven't, you know, we, we, we beat a top 25 team in 16, which happened to be the same year we beat Mississippi State, but really no watershed moment since. Well, from Southern Miss perspective, they, you know, listeners are saying, well, we don't want that Thursday over on this, this part of the state line. Tell us about the club, uh, JD, that, Coach Campbell and his staff will bring over here tomorrow evening to Hattiesburg. And, and by the way, the last time we won an opener period, home or away, was 2016 in the Magnolia State. So maybe that's yeah. what we need is wow. to get back to Mississippi. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, because we have opened at, at Ole Miss uh, in 18, I think it was, and, and lost at Vaught-Hemingway. Uh, ball club, you know, I, I think uh, skill position uh, – the talent is there. Uh, Desmond Trotter will get the car keys and uh, Chance Lovertich, Mississippi Ties mm-hmm. and Gulf Coast, big time winner, competitor. He's only got one loss in his entire high school JUCO career. We'll back him up. That could change, like we just mentioned. Uh, but will either quarterback have the protection they need against a very physical, strong, big, traditionally defensive team? Uh, from Southern Miss. I think that's going to be the, the very first question that has to be answered right out of the gate is can South Alabama protect and give Trotter time? Uh, I have a history and relationship with Tony Pecoraro. He's a great defensive mm. coordinator. And, and our staff respects the fact that going back decades, Southern Miss has always been a defensively dominant team. That's, that's what they like to field. Uh, defensively for the Jags, a lot of three-man front, some new faces, uh, starter-wise, but had a lot of quality snaps last year. Uh, some changes at corner to give us more height and speed. 
Davin Tenord has moved from wide receiver to corner, and he's about 6'3". And then Devin Rockett's a Mississippi native who will play the other corner. He actually played high school and JUCO with Jack Abraham. So that's their common thread. Well, J.D., we know uh, Jeff and I uh, both do, as we've mentioned before, have had junior college experience. And then, of course, our Friday night, we we cover Pomperville High School. And so we know the prep work, and we know part of that scouting your opponent. What do you see uh, when you look at film or when you're doing your prep for tomorrow night's ball game? What do you see out of Southern Miss and, and out of this Golden Eagle team entering their first ball game? Uh, you know, the, the whiteouts can fly, but, but that's not unique because we see that South Alabama in the Sun Belt. But to see, I, I see right off four running backs for the Golden Eagles where two are bruising downhill and two are finesse and one step and they're gone, 88 and out the gate. And, and I think that worries that if you guys control the line of scrimmage and can run the football, and get ahead on first down, it could be a long night for South Alabama. And, and Steve Campbell and I have talked about it and discussed it. And he said, you know, Abraham is good as he is, run and throwing, and but to have the quality backfield, uh, you know, is a lot to worry about. The secondary, I think, may be the biggest question mark for, for Southern Miss. They've got one veteran, but a lot of new guys, not young, because some of them are transfers. And they haven't just they just haven't played a lot as a unit. So hopefully South Alabama can pop a big play, uh, look for the what they call the explosive plays. Uh, and then, you know, I asked Coach Campbell uh, about an hour ago. I said, "What do you see as the keys?" And he said, "The explosives and the turnover battle." And I'm going to get turnover battle every time I talk to him. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, not shocked there. <laughs> I wonder just how much all the pandemic, I mean, of course, we're anxious as fans to see football, but the way that it's changed the prep, I, I guess what I'm asking you, J.D., what level of play do you think we'll see early in this college football season from not just these two teams but across the board? You know, on one hand, I feel like you, you can't go into it uh, too conservative because nobody's guaranteed the next week. Uh you know, I think you almost got to hit the field and look each other in the eye and go, man, we are lucky. We're here today. We may be quarantined next Saturday. Let's throw the kitchen sink out there and have fun, play the game, win, lose, or draw, shake each other's hands and say, by golly, uh, despite what this country's gone through, not just health-wise, but, you know, the racial unrest and, and the injustices, but, you know, they're out there and – let them play and, and just have a, a really good night because there's going to be a lot of Conference USA and Sunbelt that's now going to go national via the linear networks. Uh, you know, we just announced a ton of Sunbelt's going to be on ESPN, uh, Family Networks, plus some on the road at Fox and, and your networks and CBS, et cetera, and Stadium. It's time for, for, the, for the group of five to shine. And, and that's, right. you know, uh, that's both of us because that, that speaks volumes for our neck of the woods down here in South Mississippi and the Gulf Coast. Yeah, certainly a great opportunity. And, J.D., Jeff, and I can't thank you enough, man. We appreciate your time tonight and awesome insight. We hope that we can visit again uh, down the road if it's been as good for you as it has for us. So we, we thank you for your time this evening. Oh, yeah, a pleasure. I appreciate you inviting me. And uh, you guys, let, let's 
cross our fingers that we play a full season. Best of luck to you. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you, J.D. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of health care options. The Highland Center for Women's Health provides total obstetrical and gynecological care for women of any age. Our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. We are privileged tonight to be joined by the athletic director for Southern Miss, Jeremy McLean. Jeremy, thanks for taking time for the podcast tonight. Uh, absolutely, man. Appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Always enjoy it. Jeremy, how excited are you, man, to have uh, football at the Rock tomorrow night? <laughs> uh, <laughs> exciting! Excited would be an understatement. I mean, I'm I'm just thrilled to get a chance to have our guys out there and get an opportunity to compete and have our folks get a chance to watch them and and and, and really kind of big picture uh take a step towards getting back to some level of normal i think that's something we all long for and uh you know i think it's obviously taking a toll on people in different ways but uh just you know just excited about taking that step forward and you know we're in a unique situation uh to be able to kind of lead the way and uh, we're trying. We're working hard to try to make sure we do that the best way we possibly can. Once again, we're joined by Jeremy McLean, the athletic director uh, for the University of Southern Mississippi on the South Group Insurance Services Hotline. And, Jeremy, you was talking about uh, getting back to some kind of norm, uh, uh, normality, some normacy uh, there on the campus. And your title is the athletic director, but has to have been a busy week uh, – for you as a as an individual, the athletic director, and then as the school as a whole, uh, the governor uh, with the CDC making the 25% capacity rule for all colleges uh, and now high school in the state, uh, some things that yeah. Southern Miss is, is doing uh, to get prepared uh, to have actual fans, and it's something that we never thought we'd say, but fans uh, in the <laughs> rock for tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, that, that obviously – as we kind of were making our preparations throughout the summer, I mean, in all honesty, it was day to day, right? And some days we felt really good about the chances of us playing. There were some days when I just, you know, kind of had to shake my head because I just didn't, it didn't look promising. And, um, but we continued to work and try to develop a plan, you know, uh, with the anticipation of getting that opportunity. And so the, the biggest piece was, you know, getting, getting the okay from the governor's office through executive order, you know, how many people could we have in the stadium and, and kind of implementing our plan from there. So when we got the okay to, you know, get the 25%, um, you know, it, it, it's not as much as people want, but at least it gave us a, an opportunity to start building that plan out. And, you know, we're, and then you get into the details about how do we, how do we get people in safely? How do we, how do we make sure they're, you know, socially distanced? How do we, how do we serve food at the concession stand? And so just a long list of things that we've been working on for, um, for months, really, and definitely over the past few weeks, uh, once we, we got the green light, uh, to, to try to fine tune. And, you know, I think the main things, obviously we're going to have fewer people, uh, the mask mandate, the executive order from the governor is obviously going to be in effect. And so, you know, if you're coming and going and moving about, you know, have to wear a face covering. Once you get to your seat, you'll have some discretion and you can kind of make that decision for yourself, but obviously remaining so socially distanced from other households. 
So those are the things that, you know, are going to be the, the really at the top of the list, the most important things that we've got to do. And, you know, the key to it is, is the fact that we're all in this together and, and our, our, our fan base. And, and I know they will, uh, because we've got a great group. They'll, they, that we have to lean on them to help us do this the right way. And that's, you know, that's been our, our plea to them. And again, I'm, I'm confident that, uh, that we'll, we'll, we'll get that cooperation and, and uh, we'll be able to do this thing together. Jeremy, you talk about doing it together. How pleased are you that Conference USA um, chose to participate in, in football and, and the way that your schedule is laid out? I've got to set my cap to end up with as many home games as Southern Miss has ended up with uh, on the fly with the schedule. Yeah, please. You know, I'm, I'm – I'm, uh, you know, probably conference offices in general catch a lot of slack, right? You, you can't make everybody happy. And so ours is no different. And, um, but I've been really pleased and, and, and appreciative of the way that our conference office and our group of ADs and our presidents have gone about the process. And I think the key was that everybody was willing to be patient, to continue to talk through the situation, not to make any, you know, um, decisions quickly. And uh, I think that in the long run has paid off for us. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that approach, you know, and, and that definitely has been our approach at Southern Miss the entire time to so try to just be, be really diligent and careful about what we did. And so you know, I'm, I'm thrilled about that. And then as far as the schedule is concerned, obviously we, we, we've turned that over a couple of times and had to reschedule some games, but, you know, we, we kind of just really, kept the lines open and kept a lot of conversations going because we knew, you know, we knew that things would be shifting and changing. And, and, and so uh, we kept those lines open and were able to, um, you know, get seven home games. And, and part of that focus for us was I'm glad to get seven home games, but it also means the one less game we have to travel. And just from a safety standpoint, I feel better about doing things at our stadium at home in our locker room with our kids you know, that I do going on the road. And so that was important as well. And so just, we ended up in a really good place. I think it's a, it's a great schedule. We've got seven home games. We've got, you know, home games against regional opponents, which, which is always exciting. And uh, so just, you know, just feel appreciative and, and blessed that we're in the place we are right now. Chairman, when you look around the landscape of uh, college athletics, some somber news seems to come out every day when it comes to budget cuts or jobs being um, lost groups. For Southern Miss supporters and fans, that 25%, how much does does that hurt? Obviously, there's an expense to put on an event like a college football game. Yeah. How, how big a dent is that? I mean, is it just easy math? Look, we're losing 75% or is it uh, a little bit deeper than that or, or less than that? How well, big a hit are we going to yeah. take? It's not quite that. It's not quite that easy. Um, but what we're lo- what we're losing the most of, we've been able to maintain most of our season ticket holder base. What we're losing the most of is the walk up, right? And we we started this year. So when you when you build your budget out, you look at your schedule and try to anticipate walk up. And and so on our original schedule, we had South Alabama, Jackson State, and Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech, the first three games of the year, and so really was going to be a great walk up opportunity for us and so that's how we budgeted and so that that's what we're really missing is that walk-up piece that you know and and between that and and, and a few other uh things uh from a ticket standpoint we're gonna it's gonna be a seven-figure hit for us and so it, it's gonna be significant and as you guys know 
we rely on the external revenues probably more than anybody in our conference. You know, and so what, what we raise and what we sell in tickets is such a huge part of our budget. And, uh, and so it's a hit. It's, it's a hit to us. And we started planning in May to try to, try to begin to offset some of that, knowing, knowing that we were looking at some uncertainty. And so we reduced our budget by a million dollars before, you know, before July ever got here. And that was not easy. And, and, and so there's going to be, you know, even more of a hole to dig out before this thing is over with, you know, and, and even if we were able to get all of our gains in, you know, we're, we're probably talking about somewhere between a three to $5 million hole that, uh, you know, uh, from a revenue standpoint. Jeremy, when you're playing college baseball like you did, and then you're on the road to being uh, the athletic director at Southern Miss, is this, is this the job you kind of wanted when you grown up or has this <laughs> thing just kind of changed completely over? Uh, the last few uh, months, I mean, has they had what you did before the pandemic? It's just had to totally change yeah. kind of your role, huh? You know, it has. I think, I think what we're dealing with in, in a lot of ways is is different than what any of us have ever dealt with. Whether it be uh, whether it be the pandemic and trying to figure out how to keep everybody safe, whether it be uh, some things that are happening around the country that are sensitive yeah. to our student athletes, you know, just the whole environment has been um stressful in many ways for 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 a lot of us you know uh, and 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 affects people differently but so so yes the there's not there's not a manual on 2020 (laughs) you know there's no there's no uh there's never been you know from a college athletic standpoint not been a year quite like it and but you know here's what we tried to stay focused on and, and you know it's really just trying our best you know my main job and i know sometimes people think it's raising money or scheduling football games or you know whatever the case may be but but my main job is to try to help our student athletes learn and develop and grow and and that's what we've tried to stay focused on and and so that's kind of helped keep me sane if you will over the course of the past year and it hadn't always been easy but just trying to stay focused on on you giving them the opportunities to compete and giving them opportunities to try to grow and learn and lead and so that's, you know, like I said, that's where our focus has been, and that's what's kind of kept me going. Well, Jeremy, from two Southern Miss guys, we appreciate the job you've done of uh, keeping the ship above the seas through this time and the job that you've done hadn't lost on uh, the Southern Miss faithful. So we thank you, sir. Well, yeah, man, it means a whole lot. I can't express how much that means and, and just know that, you know, this is, we're in this deal together, man, and, and, uh, and we've got a great – a great fan base and a great, great folks who are great alums, great folks who are supporting us. And we don't take that for granted, and we're very thankful for that. And, you know, this is this is going to be an uphill battle in a process. It's going to take us a few years to get back to where we want to be. But uh, I got faith because I know we got a great group of people behind us. Awesome stuff, Jeremy. We thank you for your time this evening, man. Continued success. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you.